0: Hello, Restoration Church. This is Coleman Bailey. I'm in Bunia DR, Congo right now. I'm right in front of this building that Restoration Missions has built from the ground up. And so I just wanted to let you guys know that we are so close to being finished with this building. Uh, we are just now about to start laying the flooring installing the glasses and painting this massive building. Now I just want to tell you a little bit about this building. It is absolutely huge and it's a little hard to see how big it is. So just to put it in perspective, I wanted to stand right here and just show you how huge this building is. It has a massive dining hall that very soon a hundred children that will be living here. This, this building will hold a hundred children every single day from here on out. These hundred children will be eating in this dining hall three meals a day. It's got a couple of huge rooms uh, for the children to stay in. These rooms are massive. I mean, you could almost play basketball in these things. And it also has something that I'm so excited about, and that is an infant wing. Uh, globally, uh, infants are a major need in global orphan care. Uh, and the reason why is because infants are extremely difficult to take care of. As so many of you know, they take more caregivers, more funds, everything. And so for that reason, they're often neglected. But that's not something we're going to do here. Now, we've just come up with a name uh, for this ministry, and that is Nuru Yauzima, Uzima, uh, the Nuru Yauzima home. And what that means in Swahili is the light of life. Uh, From the the second I stepped on this property, I felt like the the Lord gave us a word, and that was John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And that is just something that we are believing uh, God for this ministry. It has dictated how we've constructed this building, uh, but the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We are in an area completely surrounded by war, but I know this that what the Lord establishes, the enemy cannot take away. And that is something that we are believing for right here, that this is a place that the Lord has established. Thank you so much, Restoration Church, for everything that you're doing, and God bless. Yes, thank you, Restoration, so much. Man, it's, you don't know how much joy it brings me to be here with you, and, and I say that with just the utmost sincerity It means so much to just be able to worship with you. I mean, worship today. I mean, I I know it's so good every week, but it was so good for me today. And it just means so much just to worship with you. Hey, I know there's so many new faces here. I know so many of you have no clue who I am. I know some of you know everything about who I am. I know that right when I get on the parking lot here. I, I, I do not feel more loved anywhere else than here. I love you guys, but uh, I know there's so many of you who don't know me, and so uh, I work with orphanages around the world. I've been in so many places just since the last time I was here. Uh, I've been in a lot of countries, and you just guys just keep adding services while I'm gone. <laughs> just left and right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so um, uh, work all over the world, but particularly in, in Eastern DR Congo. Um, right, that video you saw right there, it's, it's a city in eastern DR Congo called Bunia. Uh, for those of you who do not know, there's a major war happening in eastern DR Congo. It's been going on for years, uh, and this year is the worst the war has been uh, since the UN got involved uh, some years back. It is absolutely horrible going. what's going on right now. Uh, we have one orphanage in Goma that we launched several years ago. It's one that, that Restoration's been a huge part of. I just want to give you a little update about what's going on there. It's, it's the blue building right there. Looks beautiful right now, doesn't it? <laughs> but uh, that orphanage, uh, when I first came here to Restoration, that orphanage had 45 children in it, 45 or 50. And uh, we had an amazing service, and Pastor Chuck came up. He said, what's going to take to fill that He did some math, actually. He said, this is what he thinks it's gonna take to fill it up, he was right. And uh, we raised all the funds that day and and that orphanage right now today has 82 children in it. Amen? Look at that big old group photo right there. Those kids are everywhere. It doesn't just have 82 children in it. Uh, it. Starting in June, we launched a program. Every single day, we have another 50 children from the community come and they get their food, their education, and their health care. Uh, they come eat every single day. That's 50 children. We've multiplied that same program that we established there, and right now we're taking care of 250 children in surrounding cities uh, through that same exact model. Uh, just to tell you the severity of the need of those 50 children, when we started this program in June, uh, we um, uh, I called... And uh, I was actually in the States when it happened. I called, I said, man, how, how did the program go? How did it go today? And, and, and the local leader said, man, it went terrible. I said, what went wrong? He said, we brought all these kids in, we fed them, uh, and they, most of them vomited within 30 minutes. Uh, their stomachs couldn't process the food. Uh, and so every single day right now, those kids are getting fed. Their kid, they're getting healthier day by day. Uh, it's, it's amazing to see. Uh, Something I've been working on for years uh, and it's just been so challenging to get going uh, is starting an infant wing at that project. I wanted to be able to take care of newborns. Uh, As any parent knows, it's much more challenging to raise a little baby than an adult. Uh, it takes more caregivers, more expensive food, more, more, more products. It takes so much to be able to take care of infants. And so it's something we've been working on. And just a couple months ago, we launched that infant wing and we took in our first baby, a two or three month old named Sina Hofu. Uh, her parents were killed in the jungle and we brought her in. Uh, right now, uh, the war uh, is, it's, like I said, it's crazy. Right now, uh, a rebel group called M23, they've completely encircled the city. They're nine to 12 miles outside of the city. I mean, they're very close. They've shut off access. This whole year, more and more refugees have been coming into the city of Goma. Uh, just to give you a little context, when I first started working in Goma, the city was 1.3 million people. Now it's right at 2 million people. All of these are people who have fled from the jungles into the city just in the last three weeks. This is in the last three weeks. This is not a, you know, a preacher number. (laughs) This is a UN number right here. But uh, there's been 180,000 people, almost 200,000 people have evacuated from the jungles into the city of Goma. Uh, It's been unbelievable. Uh, When I was there, I mean, you just see a steady stream of people walking into the city every single day. Uh, In response to this, just this past week, uh, we were launching vision and and, and to see what we can do. Uh, We've started programs to help feed these refugees and to help help house them. Today, right, you know, as we're doing church, uh, today, one of our teams was going out to meet some of these needs. I think there's some photos of, these are people's houses right now in the city of Goma. Uh, they just find whatever they can uh, to make a house with. Uh, it's absolutely horrible what's going on. Um, one of these groups, uh, they lost you know, a village. You know, rebels came into their village, destroyed everything, killed a bunch of people. Uh, there was a group of about 20. They walked about 40 miles into the city of Goma. Right when they got into Goma, they said, uh, where is the orphanage? Uh, they didn't know which orphanage. They just said the orphanage. And someone said, it's in Magunga. That's where our orphanage is. And uh, so they walked all the way to our orphanage and they brought us a little boy, he's two weeks old. Uh, His parents were just killed and they said, hey, this boy's parents, his whole family, they're dead right now, can you take this boy? Uh, He didn't have any clothes on him, he didn't have a blanket, Uh, he hadn't drank anything, he was severely dehydrated. We assumed the boy was gonna die, but we took him. Uh, And I'm so grateful uh, that he is alive. These people, when they brought him in, amen, I think we have a photo of him. Yeah, that's him right there. Uh, These people, when they brought him in, just with the the chaos of the war, they didn't even know his name. Uh, And so we named him Imani, which means peace, peace in the midst of war. Uh, I told you guys, you guys have been so critical in getting this program to what it is right now, but you know that day that uh, we raised the funds to be able to build this program up, it was a huge step of faith for Pastor Chuck. It was something that he led, and it's something that you guys all stepped out in faith with him on. And what's so cool about the work of God is that when we do that, God not only meets our needs, He exceeds our needs And so what we were able to do that day is we actually raised so much funds that there was something deep in my heart that I wanted to do. There was a city called Bunia. And as bad as I've described Goma, Bunia is worse at every single level. It is more desperate, it is more in need, uh, and it's more dark, and it's more full of war. And I was wanting to launch an orphanage there. And so we were able to raise so much money that day that that video that you saw, we were able to build that. A hundred percent of that building Every block, every window frame, every piece of glass, every single iron sheet, that is Restoration Church. You guys built that. And it's developed so much uh, since I, I took that photo. It looks so much different. We've got beautiful tile laid throughout the building. Uh, we just bought 70 mattresses, 35 bunk beds, all with restoration. This is you guys, you guys purchased this. We just bought 10 baby beds because right out the get go, uh, it's, it's gonna launch this infant wing. Uh, We have bought so much stuff. It's an absolutely beautiful building. I cannot wait for March when Pastor Chuck and Pastor Candace can come and see it in person. They're gonna dedicate it. I am so excited about this. I'll give you just a little bit of context to how this ministry works. You know, with both Goma and Bunia, uh, we don't just take in orphans. If a child loses his or her family, that does not mean they go to the orphanage. We reserve the spots of the orphanage for the children who are on the brink of survival. If a child is not about to die, they do not come into that orphanage. Now, that sounds terrible, it sounds harsh, but for every 10, 15 cases we get referred to, so we might take in one. It is the most in need. Earlier this year, we, we hired extra people in Goma uh, to train them to, to work at the orphanage in Bunia. We moved them up there. I sent them out on this assignment. Uh, this, this woman, she went to go uh, look at rescuing some kids, and I just went out with her and just tried to kind of see how she's doing. And I said, hey, it's great work you've done, but, but, but what you're doing, it's not the DNA. This is not what we do. This is a child that is severely in need, but this is not our DNA. And so what I did was we, we got a map, and on the map, it's, it's a public map. You can see the green areas, areas owned and occupied by the Congolese military." Yellow is a place of active fighting. Red is a place occupied by the rebels. I said, we go to the red. We're not gonna stay here in the green. Uh, It's dangerous here. The kids are suffering here, but we're going to go to the red. And that's exactly what we did. Out there, it is absolutely horrible what you see. Kids, all the children, they, they have blonde hair because of systemic malnourishment. Their stomachs are bloated. I mean, they are just absolutely suffering. And the kids that we've already rescued, Uh, to to launch that ministry with, they've they've come from this area, they've come from the brink of survival. You guys have done this and I cannot thank you enough, you know, I was sharing with the first service, when God's church comes together in unity, his kingdom is built. And I know so many times in the church we're wondering, hey, am I just spinning my tires here? Is anything getting accomplished? But I just wanted to let you know the kingdom of God is being established in DR Congo because of what you've done. I know I said it in that video, but, but we named this orphanage Nuru ya Uzima, which in Swahili just means the light of life. And it's based off of John 1:5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. We have just gone to the places where we say, hey, this is the most dark. And then we built this orphanage. And, I, and I'm telling you, it has guided our architectural design. I wanted an orphanage that was just in your face. <laughs> You drive up, you can see it from, from, from far away. You can see that big old tall point and you see it and you know it, it's bright right now. I mean, it's just amazing. But, but that's what we want because we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The same spirit that rose Christ's dead body from a grave, it lives in us and it's going to use us to empower and liberate people who are suffering. Uh, Church, uh, I'll I'll share this and then then I'll give it to Pastor Chuck. I know he's got an amazing word. I heard at the first service, it was amazing. You're in luck. But uh, me and Pastor Chuck, we've been talking a lot this past week just about gratitude with Thanksgiving coming up. And and I actually had some Americans come over uh, just recently and they were filming a bunch of stuff at the orphanage and and they were so in shock. They were just in shock. They were in shock by by the suffering, but they were also in shock and they were asking me, they said, they said, Coleman, why is there so much joy here? Why is it? I mean, these kids, they're all, have gone through the worst possible things, but they are fired up, they are confident, they are full of joy. These kids, they poke their chest out when they walk. I mean, they, they, they are proud. They said, why is that? What does that? And I said, hey, go over to our gate and tell me what you see. He walked over there and, And and he came back and he said, there's a bunch of kids laying on the ground. Their eyes are just poking below the bottom of the gate. That's what I see. He said, what is that? I said, every single day, there's little eyes poking under that gate. There are so many children just absolutely desperate to be in here. Children with parents, they're desperate to be in here because they don't know when they're gonna get their next meal. They don't know if some rebels are gonna come in there and destroy their village. I wanna thank you again for what you've done here. I hope today in this this Thanksgiving season, you're just filled with gratitude and thankfulness. Not because of just what you see, not because your house doesn't look like that house of those refugees, not just because of that, but because we're participating in a mission that's much greater than ourselves. You know, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11, I'll just read this and then give it right back to Pastor Chuck. I know I just said that, but I'll do it, push it a little bit longer. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11, it says this, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. You, you're given everything that you need to do what God's calling you to do. And then it says this, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Our work with God produces thanksgiving. And so this morning, I just pray that you are just filled with a spiritual gratitude this morning. That this church has been able to participate in the divine mission of God. So God, we just thank you this morning that you have allowed us to be a part of your greater work, God. I thank you so much, Lord, that you have allowed me to be in the midst of it. And I thank you so much, God, that you have allowed this church, God, to just be a part of your growing kingdom. We ask that you be glorified in all that we do, Lord. And God, we just ask that you would bless this word that we're about to get. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Come on, give it up one more time. Love you,
1: Coleman. so thankful for your life i have said every time i've introduced him the most fearless frontline courageous missionary i've ever known in my whole life and what a blessing it is to partner with you sincerely never met anybody like you so thankful for you i want to speak for just a few minutes in an abbreviated sermon how many of you believe in miracles Wow, that's not very encouraging. (laughs) I want to talk to you seriously about the key to everything. The key to everything. I teach our men this often in men's ministry settings that people who leave a rich and meaningful spiritual legacy for their children and grandchildren, research bears it out that they are generous people grateful people, and they're people of honor. People who leave a rich spiritual legacy for their children and grandchildren are people of generosity, gratitude, and honor, in that order. Now, out of that, those three personality or spiritual traits, a lot of other admirable qualities flow too. Sincerity, humility, kindness, other things but this morning for just a couple minutes i want us to talk about the fact that one of these is the key to everything literally it's what the scripture teaches it's the key to life john 10 and i I, when i mention some of these familiar passages of scripture we're in a different place now this isn't just a bunch of church people We have people who are very new to scripture. And so when I pull up a scripture like this one, John 10, 10, many of you could quote it. And it's the words of Jesus. And he said, the enemy, Satan, comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. I don't even know that's true. Like, we we were in a softball tournament this weekend, and there was a group from uh, an addiction recovery group that One of the teams was men in recovery. And they were having a great time and we were having a good time. But my heart went out. Just the look, their countenance says, John 10, the first half is true in my life. Just their countenance, their facial expression, even physically and spiritually. The Bible says the eye is the window to the soul. And just from a quick glance, you can go, wow a lot of suffering, a lot of hurt. Satan has come to steal their hope, their joy, their destiny. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The B part of that verse, though, as you know, Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The NLT says the the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them, us, a rich and satisfying life. And that's what God has for every one of us. But most of us, many of us struggle to really enjoy an abundant life. And it's not the consistency of things. It's more than that. God's greatest work he's done in us is the work of salvation. And that's a great work, but It's more than just not having to spend eternity in hell. The work of salvation is so much more, and on practical levels, life is released to us, and we become not reservoirs of blessings, but we become conduits through which the life that came to us literally flows through us, I have a key here in my pocket. A few years ago when we moved out to Cherokee County, we live in a barn. This is a key to our barn, and um, we went to get I think it was five keys at that time, and we went to Home Depot and we put it in the machine and you know it grinds down and leaves the teeth and you know all the teeth have to be in the right place. you know Have you ever seen a smile that It's like missing a tooth, it can like mess up your smile, can it? Or one's in the wrong place. Well, we got this key back and we had five of them and this one worked, the other four didn't and it messed up my smile that day. And um, I've come to realize Christianity and biblical truth is simple, so simple but yet we make it complex. We make all of life complex. And the key to life, one of the keys that opens the door to be able to live in the house of abundant life is the key of giving. Giving is the key to life. The key to everything is what? Giving, say it with me, giving. And people who give are fully aware that they have been forgiven. I'm gonna give you a really simple, simple, brief teaching this morning. But please don't miss it. Your family's counting on you getting this. People who are giving, they're generous, are people who are, fully aware of the fact that they have been forgiven. You study social interaction, human relationships, and the life of most Christians. If you are not a generous, giving person, it's probably because you were either not fully forgiven or you're not aware that you have been fully forgiven. God had to give Jesus. How many of you know that's like an indescribably amazing gift? That's why we do communion not once or twice a year, but we do it 12 times a year and then on the holidays to remember the incredible gift of Jesus, salvation. And we who struggle to give we don't have a giving problem. We probably have a forgiving problem. Either we're not aware that it costs God a lot to forgive us, and we are forgiven. Or we struggle to forgive ourselves. And if we struggle to forgive ourselves, then we struggle to forgive others. We wash our car sometimes, and and we water our little garden sometimes. And inevitably you'll undo the garden hose and as you pull it out, you'll get all the way out there where it is and you'll turn the water on and there's just a little trickle because there's a kink in the hose somewhere. And the kink in the hose just stops the flow. I mean, you can get some water out, but you don't have a flow. And so often, I think so many of us, you know, you you can wash your car. Well, you can't. You can wash your car, but you ain't gonna rinse it with a little little trickle thing coming out. And so often, so many people, even people in this room that I love, the the flow, it's, it's coming to you, but it's not getting through you. And so many people get stuck forgiving themselves, realizing that you're forgiven. You are complete, it costs God his greatest gift. He's holy. He can't just blot out our sins. He demanded a high price for him to be able to forgive us. And he paid that price. And so often in guilt and shame and condemnation, we can go, all right, God's forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. Who are you Do not forgive yourself? I don't know what the percentage is, but I got a sweet daughter who counsels and a, a pastor I love. And we've talked about this. Nearly every issue that people struggle with can be traced back to something they're not able to forgive themselves. And often it's a result of something that happened to them that they think they deserved it, and that's why it happened to them. And they're stuck, and there's a kink in the hose, and life can't flow in and through them. And so for many of us, if you have a giving issue right now, and I'm talking about like not just money, because I know everybody gets nervous with the pastor on the stage on Sunday morning with a mic and his phone. As soon as we say giving, half of us tune out. And I'm not even talking about it. It includes that, but it's a whole lot more. Giving is like these three things that are characteristic of people who have, who leave a rich spiritual legacy. They're generous, they're giving. They give not just money, but they give time, they give encouragement, they give affirmation, and they're grateful. It's not just money, and it's the flow of realizing, everybody listen, no one, I live my life and I pray this, every day when I go through the Lord's prayer. Jesus taught me, Father, I forgive them as, forgive me as I forgive others. The same quality of forgiveness that I offer, that's what is offered unto me. So Lord, I don't have the voice to crank it up, so you're gonna have to just let me be, I'm not even going to say it. God, help me to never underestimate what it costs you to forgive me. And here's the deal you did all the terrible stuff, you were a sinner, you sinned. Can I get a witness? But you're forgiven. And it doesn't minimize what you did, but it erases what you did. And we are forgiven. This weekend, in the next five or six weeks, we're gonna be around our families. And all of us have somebody or two in our families that, let's be honest, we struggle with. And when you don't have unity and harmony and love, with your family, that just isn't fun. It makes life on planet Earth just not, it's just not good, you know? And we all have a crazy uncle, or two, or aunt. How many of you have a crazy person in your family? And you're sitting beside them this morning, lift up the other hand. As we come into this Thanksgiving season, Y'all know how I am, I don't like, the holidays are coming, we don't get ritualistic. We don't play that silly, hey Christmas is coming, the light of the world, Thanksgiving is here, thank God for the pilgrims. Listen, 401 years ago, and they're even revising our history about, they're revising it and saying the pilgrims, they didn't come for religious freedom. They're revising the history and saying, there was no peace treaty with the pilgrims and the natives. Oh yes there was. It's the longest, currently, right now, it's the longest standing peace treaty in the world with natives in any other group. That we, There's a battle going on that we would not be thankful and that we would not give thanks. We didn't plan this to have Coleman here today, but you are a generous church because you're thankful that your children Aren't a pair of those little eyes looking under that gate, wondering, dreaming what it would be like to be sleeping in that palace with concrete floors and 70 mattresses on the bed, getting three meals a day of rice and beans. So we give, and I'm preaching to the choir this morning. It was when he was first here, I, I figured up the need A year or so ago, and he was speaking. I said, you need 50 grand, don't you? And I just walked to the mic. I said, we'll give that 50, $50, $50,000. And before I got out of the sanctuary in that service, people had given me $95,000 in my hand checks. And you gave $245,000. And that's why he was able to not just finish the big vision for GOMA, but he was able to get to the Red District in Bunia and build that stinking orphanage debt-free with no other money from any other church but this place. And so I just wanna remind you, brothers and sisters, let us be people. Our children and grandchildren are counting on it. It doesn't matter what the news, it doesn't matter what It matters, but it doesn't dictate the legacy that we are leaving. Are you aware of how forgiven you are? Are you aware of how much God loves us? Are you aware that he's still sovereign and generous, grateful people who know how to honor him are the people that he will bless? And his word says, let me remind you, that he will be faithful to a thousand generations. Your children and grandchildren and the extended family, you're out of your own loins, people, you will never meet in this life. They are blessed because you are generous. You are grateful in worship and you are honoring the one who is the true King of kings and the Lord of lords. Make no mistake, what's happening in this room is dictating what's gonna happen to future generations. Can somebody say, Amen this morning. So, freely you have received. Freely give. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It'll be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. That's a verse we all know. Look at the verse just before it. Talk about social interaction and the way human relationships work. Just before that, Jesus said, don't, don't judge or you will be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and then you'll be forgiven. And then give. Look here. He says, don't judge, don't condemn. You all know what it is to judge. Don't be so quick to criticize people. Don't be so... Upity that you, you no longer have the capacity to put yourself in other people's shoes. Stop that. Stop being quick to criticize anything less than perfection. Don't do that. Because if you do, you're going to have the stress of, that's how people are going to judge you. And then, don't condemn. You know what it is to condemn. We stayed way back in the day in, a, in inner city of Philadelphia in a condemned school building. It was abandoned and condemned. The authorities had said, nobody should stay here. Well, we stayed there and God protected us and everybody lived happily ever after. But to stay in a building that's condemned, they're saying there's either asbestos or compromised found, foundation, that this building is irreparable. And Jesus is saying, don't live in such a way that you... You you condemn people. You're never going to amount to anything. Don't live in such a way that you dwell on the impossibility that someone could ever amount to anything. Be a person of honor. And that's what Luke 6.38 is about. And you've heard me teach this before. To honor is to treat people according to the destiny God has for their life. I don't treat Candace according to how she treats me most of the time. She doesn't treat me according to how I treat her. I treat her to all that she can become and all that God has destined her to become. I don't treat my 13-year-old child according to what they have done. I treat them to their 35-year-old self when they're gonna be a dad and pay their own car insurance, hallelujah. And they're gonna understand and be thankful for the way I raised them. So let us not be so quick to judge, be so quick to go, you're never gonna to amount to anything. And, and let's offer sincere honor to people because we're leaving a spiritual legacy. Are y'all out there? And um, let me just remind you, he says, it'll be pressed down To press down is, everybody knew that heard Jesus say this. Oh, he's speaking about the olive press. And an olive gets pressed to get the good stuff out. An olive gets crushed to get the good stuff out. And it also speaks of anointing. Give, and it'll be given to you. When you live a life of generosity, when you're able to give sincere thanks. The glory flows through your life. The anointing does. And then he says, it'll be shaken together. You know what it is to shake something up, right? You ever put raisin bran in your bowl and you're like, I want a little bit more than that. But there's not any room to put any more in it. And you grab it and you go, now there's room. Then you put more in it. You know what I'm talking about? Like Candace, I can look at a, a sink of, Empty, uh, a sink full of dirty dishes, and I go, oh, Lord Jesus, that's three uh, cycles through the dishwasher. And Candace goes, that ain't three cycles. We didn't put twice that much, and then she puts it in there. I can look at a empty leftovers, and I'm like, the reason I don't put leftovers in containers is because I, I underestimate, and Candace's like, no, we can get the whole meal in that one little snack bag right there. <laughs> and she will do it. With room to spare. What God is saying right here. He what you think your maximum container is. He takes it and shakes you and goes, No, there's more. Watch this. And he shakes you. How many of you love when you get shaken? No, you don't. But sometimes he's going, You thought that was all you could handle. No, I'm just, in fact, he when he can't shake anymore, he says, I'm not finished giving to you. I'm gonna give you so much, it's gonna start spilling over into your lap. Are y'all out there this morning? Now, the last thing I wanna do is, I wanna wrap up our setting the table series with this thing right here. Speaking about giving, I don't have time to unpack the whole thing, but everybody look here. Abraham finally got Isaac at 100 years old, he had messed up. Some of his failures, we are still dealing with. International conflict, Abraham's fault in Agar, Ishmael. But when Isaac finally came, God said, I want him. We talked about this, so I'm not gonna go back and re-talk about it. Bring him to the altar. And there's no way any of, I can't describe it, you can't even imagine What would it have been like to be on that altar as the promised son? What would it have been like to be the father to give God the gift that he gave? And y'all know he put Isaac on that altar, drew back the knife to prepare him, to let him be the sacrifice. And the Bible said in Hebrews that Abraham, he was willing to do it because he thought God could raise him from the dead. And the angel stopped him, and the angel said twice, and a couple weeks ago when I said this in this series, Canis caught me after the first service. I said, The angel said, I swear by heaven. And Candace got me in the office. She said, are you sure the Bible says the angel swore? I said, yeah, honey. Genesis chapter 22. Look what this is. This is God saying, if you give, watch this. Genesis 22 verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, because you have given what I have asked. Why did Abraham give? Because God had given to him and had walked him through all the foibles, the fumbles, the mess ups of his life, and he was now at a point in relationship. He trusted God, because you have done so much in me, I'm gonna give him back to you, because I trust you. And the angel says, because you have obeyed me, I swear by my own name, what? I will certainly bless you. How many of you want to be certainly blessed? Well, you need to understand you're the one that determines how blessed you are. The law of reciprocity means you give, it'll be given to you. And the law of self determination declares you decide how big or how small the kink in the hose is in your life. Are y'all out there? Are y'all out there? No, you're not. Are y'all out there? If you're not blessed, it's your fault. That's what the scripture teaches. Now we don't want blessing just to have it and harbor it and be a, a, a reservoir of blessing and material stuff. No, we wanna be the seed of Abraham, blessed so that we can be a blessing. But he says right here, because you've done this, I mean, for God to say, I swear, I swear to myself, I swear to God, I will certainly bless you. And then look what he does. He rehearses the promise he made 11 chapters ago. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed you have given unto me. I want to pray in the name of Jesus. Stand with me, everybody. If you could, Tracy, if you could pull up our giving declaration this morning. How many of you would just say right now, Lord, I I want to become a person through which your forgiving grace flows to me and through me. I want to, in the name, who knows what could happen around the dinner table with that crazy uncle, that crazy aunt that niece that's been strung out, that person at our table that last year they had their husband there, but he's not there because they're divorced now. In the name of Jesus, may we be people that understand the key to life is giving, not just money, but giving grace, giving compassion, giving love because God gave for, he forgave his son so that we could have life. Are y'all out there? Let's say this declaration now like we really mean it. Say it with me. We give today in obedience to your word with cheerful and joyful hearts because we know that you are the God of provision and abundance. Galatians 3, 9 teaches that if we are in Christ, then we are of Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. So today with expectant faith, we give generously with grateful hearts to you, and we expect that our blessing will enable us to be a blessing to others. Now raise the volume in here. Come on, everybody, raise it up. We declare Psalm 68, 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. Come on, everybody, say it. Amen. Amen. Come on, lift up a praise. Give him praise. Give him thanks. We praise your name, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. As you go today, may the Lord bless you, keep you, May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And everybody listen. My prayer is today and throughout this week that you will have authentic, practical, personal, relational grace and faith that he might live his life in you and through you, in Jesus' name. How many of you will say that? Come on, say it, I received that. Come on, say it, I received that, in Jesus' name. Your family, our world is counting on it, in Jesus' name. I'm gonna let you go. When I came to this church, we didn't have much, but the Lord told me, as we give, it will be given unto us. And many of you remember, We didn't have much to give, but I told the Lord, every missionary you send to us, we will give them something. And we have kept our word. You know when that word gets out, missionaries start finding churches that have said stuff like that. We've not told one of them no yet, because you have been generous, and as we give, God has given and blessed. Can we give the Lord praise one time before we go? Come on, express His gratitude love. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name. Now, remember, there are no classes, no programs all week long. Enjoy your rest. Be safe in your travel. God bless you. We love you.
0: So I'll throw